Girl Camper is sponsored by Progressive Insurance. Get an RV policy quote by calling 1-800-PROGRESSIVE or going to progressive.com backslash RV. And Go Little Guy Worldwide, whose full line of lightweight camping trailers are Girl Camper favorites. Hello, my name is Janine Pettit, and I'm a girl camper. I go places and I do things in my little 1966 Go Tag Along vintage travel trailer. Along the way, I meet many interesting people traveling the back roads, and I want to share their stories with you. We will talk about the qualities of what makes a girl camper and how you can become a girl camper too. The girl campers are having a party, and you're invited. Stay tuned while I share what's happening on the back roads of America the Beautiful. Welcome. I'm Janine Pettit, Girl Camping Ambassador, Blogger, Adventurist, and Podcaster. And this is Episode 45 of Girl Camper, the Podcast. Todd Henson of RV Inspection Connection is my guest today. Buying a used RV is like any other purchase of something that is pre-owned. Caveat emptor, or as we lay people say, buyer beware. Most used travel trailers come with a 90-day warranty, but consumers can reduce their chances of buying a lemon by getting a potential trailer inspected. Most people wouldn't purchase a home without an inspection, and you don't have to purchase a house on wheels without an inspection either. Todd is here today to tell us about the trailer inspection industry and how you can take reasonable, cost-effective steps before making that big purchase. Whether the trailer you're considering is at an RV dealership or being sold privately, Todd has good advice for you. Stay tuned for that interview. Girl Camper News Roundup is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Progressive wants you to know that when you sign up for an RV policy, you can also sign up for total loss replacement. I did this with my new policy, and it's an optional protection plan that replaces your new RV with a current model if it's declared a total loss in the first two years. It's just another one of those extra peace of mind kind of things I like to have. So you can find out about this by calling 1-800-PROGRESSIVE or visiting progressive.com backslash RV. So in the news roundup today, I just want to share what's happening in September because nothing is happening for the rest of August. I am on a little vacation from vacationing. <laughs> We had a flood in our basement six months ago, and we pulled everything out of our storage unit and got rid of all the wet carpet and fungicided the whole thing, and everything has been sitting there since. So I'm going down to the basement where it's nice and cool in this terrible heat and humidity in New Jersey. It's been in the 90s for weeks with incredible heat and lightning and thunderstorms and blah. So I'm actually thrilled to tackle this project, which I have been delaying. <laughs> so I'm going to be spending the rest of August in my basement. But in September, there's so much fun stuff happening. And I just want to share it with you because it's not just for girl campers. It's for anybody. So the first thing I want to tell you about is that my favorite country living fair of all of them. Now, you know that Country Living Magazine hosts these beautiful fairs called the Country Living Fair, and they're produced by the epic Stella Shows, who really know how to put on a show. These people have it. They got it down, and it's beautiful. It's like a trip to Disneyland 
everything is just immaculate and clean and it's a well-oiled well-running machine so when you're at these fairs there's shade there's places to sit there's lots of vendors for food there's 200 artisans that come with the most beautiful things these are not your country tchotchkes these are beautiful handmade items by artisans so you know when you go into a store and everything is the same old thing it just doesn't matter where you go everything you're looking at can be bought somewhere else and it's what i love about the country living fair all these artisans bring their handmade wares and you can purchase a gift for someone that is unlike any other thing you can get it's so charming and personalized and handmade and of course i always love the idea of being able to support the arts these are artists and this is how they make their living so the country living fair in ohio for some reason, I don't know. I love the venue in Ohio. It's the a Living um, History Museum right outside of Columbus. So in addition to the beautiful fair, you get to look at this restored village that's been recreated right outside of Columbus. And they've got the bank and the shoemaker and the little village that you get to walk around and interspersed with all of these things are all the food and the vendors and then they have strolling musicians and it just it's just so much fun i love all of the fairs but ohio is always my favorite so i'm going to be there with go rving we're going to be speaking on the main stage at two o'clock but we're also going to be displaying our trailers and the saint george trailer will be there in person <laughs> if you want to come by and see it it is still a work in progress, but I absolutely love my trailer and I love sharing it with people. And I had it at the Rhinebeck Country Living Fair and it was a great hit. In fact, there were so many people in it, my husband was having a heart attack <laughs> because the floor was getting dirty. But that's the beauty of a vinyl floor. You wipe it up. And you know what? I don't believe in owning things that you can't enjoy. I'm not one of those people who only takes their china out at Christmas. I use my good stuff. So come by, see that. We're going to be on the main stage at 2 o'clock. Go RVing is going to have some of their new and more modern RVs there. And we're just going to be talking about the lifestyle of our, the RV lifestyle. Among the vendors that are going there, too, is my dear friend Mary Gregory. And you know we're having our Paint Like a Girl event at Mary's Homestead down in Abilene, Texas in November. I'm going to talk about that again in a couple of weeks, but just keep that in mind, too. Mary Gregory is going to be there. And my friend Lena from Farmhouse Frocks and the Junk Gypsies and all the beautiful vendors that come every year. So Ohio Country Living Fair, it's the third weekend uh, I think it's September 16, 17, 18, Columbus, Ohio. If you're in that area, come by. If you're retired and you have time, hitch up your trailer and just take a road trip or get a hotel and get a couple girlfriends. It's a great girlfriend weekend. So prior to the Country Living Fair, though, before I go to that event, I'm coming out to Ohio a few days early to do one of my Sister on the Fly bucket list trips. So every year, the Sisters on the Fly have created annual trips. So it's little pockets of sisters. And somebody will create an event, and it becomes a hit, and then it becomes an annual event. And then all of us sisters who live in different parts of the country can see these online. Well, every year, the Ohio Sisters in the fall have an event that they call the Buckeye Bash. And the theme this year is Parrot Head. It's a Jimmy Buffett theme. I can't miss that. You know I can't miss that. So cheeseburgers in paradise. I'm heading to Ohio early to go to the Buckeye Bash. And so you can't come to this. I know I said earlier that, that I was talking about things anybody could come to. You can't come to this this year because it's sold out. It it fills up very, very quickly. And I think there are 50 or 60 girl campers going to this. So, but I do want to always remind people, you know what? If you do not belong to Sisters on the Fly, just get online and pay that $5 a month to belong to the best girl camping group out there. Because these events are going on no matter where you live. 
There's all kinds of events on the Sister on the Fly website happening in Kansas, in Missouri, in Texas, in California, in Florida. The sisters are all going to Maine in September, like 80 of them. And then they're heading up to Prince Edward Island. I wish I could go on that trip because I love Prince Edward Island. But Sisters on the Fly, it's a bucket list trip for me. I've been watching the Buckeye Bash online for years and I just blocked out the time and I said, I'm going early this year. So I'm going to the Buckeye Bash and then I'm going to the Ohio Country Living Fair. And when I leave the Ohio Country Living Fair, I am heading to Elkhart, Indiana for the Manufacturer Show. So every year, the RV manufacturers put on two shows where they display all the new trailers that are being premiered in the RV world. So one of them is in Elkhart, Indiana every September, and it's right after the Country Living Fair. So I'm hopping over to Elkhart with my trailer, and I'm going to see what's new, and I'm going to re be reporting on all of the new trailers. And you know that Little Guy Worldwide has a new product coming out that girl campers are very excited about, and that is the Ciro Scotty. The old vintage Zero Scotty is being manufactured again by Little Guy Worldwide. And it's going to be debuted at the Hershey RV show, which is the week before Elkhart. So I hope to see that new trailer when I'm in Elkhart and bring you all the news about that because that is breaking girl camper news and I'm pretty excited about that. But I will also be visiting all the other manufacturers and reporting about what's new in the RV industry. And that's just a fun week. I get to see all kinds of people I know and hopefully bring you lots of fun content for the podcast. So when I leave Elkhart, I'm going back to Ohio to do the What a Hoot trip that we've talked about on the show here. So one of my listeners, Gail, who was on the show two weeks ago, Gail is hosting an event for Camp Like a Girl at Beaver Creek State Park. And I'm very excited about this trip because it's a Mr. Sister trip. One of the things about Camping Like Girls is meaning that we camp like girls. Our campsites are beautiful. They're pretty, but they're not always only girls. So sometimes we camp like girls with our husbands and spouses and partners and people who are important to us. So since I'm going to be gone for so long, my husband is actually going to fly to Elkhart and drive to Ohio with me. And he's going to attend What a Hoot and come on the Mr. Sister trip and drive home with me. So I'm only going to be gone away from home like 10 days without him. And then he's flying in and we're going to have a fun time. And we're stopping somewhere in Pennsylvania on our way home. So the What a Hoot trip is still open. If you would like to bring your Mr. Sister and join us at that beautiful park. And you know that we're going to be going to the Lou Holtz Museum because that's kind of a bargain I made with my husband. It's in East Liverpool by Beaver Creek State Park. So lots of stuff going on in Ohio. Take a look at the Ohio Country Living Fair. You can follow the vendors and everything that's happening on Instagram at at Stella Shows. You can also follow on Instagram at Sisters on the Fly on Instagram and see all the fun that those girls are having. So that's what's happening in September. For the rest of August, I'm going to be cleaning my disgusting basement and staying cool, but we're going to be having lots to talk about come September. I'm going to be back in a minute with our campfire chat, and I want to tell you all about everything I learned at Camper College at Beckley's Camping Center in Thurmont, Maryland. This has got to be my 12th or so Camper College of the Year, and I am surprised every time I attend one by what I learn. I learned more stuff I didn't know. Never stop learning. We'll be back in a minute with our campfire chat. camper 
Campfire Chat is brought to you by GoLittleGuy.com. GoLittleGuy is a proud sponsor of Girl Camper, and Little Guy trailers are in the business of getting you into the great outdoors. To make camping easier and most of all more fun, their trailers are all lightweight and easy to tow behind most vehicles. Plus, they offer the security and safety we girl campers want. If you want to see these trailers in person, you can join us at our next Camper College, which is taking place September 16th at Haydesey Airstream in Columbus, Ohio. And you can get to that and register to it by going to meetup.com and finding our Camp Like a Girl page. When you do that, you have to scroll down to any distance, hit Camp Like a Girl, and sign up for Camper College at Haydesey Airstream, Columbus, Ohio, September 16th. If you'd like to see the trailers that Go Little Guy has to offer, you can go to golittleguy.com. Well, I have to tell you, I've just come back from Camper College again. We had a wonderful time yesterday at Beckley's Camping Center in Thurmont, Maryland at our Camper College. And I have to tell you, one, wow, what a dealership this was. It was absolutely huge because <laughs> I only see them online before I get to them. And this was a phenomenal dealership. It had one of the biggest camping stores I've ever seen in a dealership in my life. And honestly, if you don't need a trailer, but you need camping supplies or parts or gadgets or things to go with your trailer, it is worth it to the drive just over there for that camping store. I did get a couple things at the camp store because I can never <laughs> resist it, but it was all practical. I did not have a 3050 adapter. So if you are at a campground and the only sites left available are 50 amps, but your trailer is wired for 30 amps, you need an adapter to step down. So we did buy that adapter yesterday so I can plug in the 50 part and then it converts it down to 30 before it comes into my trailer. So I got that there. And I have to say that Beckley's had an incredible staff. That place was so organized and they put on such a nice spread for us. I was late because of a huge electrical thunderstorm on the Pennsylvania Turnpike. So they held down the fort until I got there. And all the ladies and some Mr. Sisters who came along had a chance to look at all the trailers and go in inside everything. And a lot of fun was had by everybody. But the entire staff over at Beckley's wears t-shirts that say, Ask me about 1491? Question mark. Well, you know I had to ask because <laughs> what's that all about, right? Well, here's what it's about. Last year, Beckley's Camping Center sold 1,491 trailers. <laughs> that is pretty phenomenal. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what everybody else is selling, but that is like, let's just say they're closed on Sunday, so they're open six days a week. That is like selling five campers a day. And I can see why, because this staff was so knowledgeable so one of their top guys there, his name is Paul, Air Force Paul, Paul from the Air Force, who works in the RV industry now, took us through all of the trailers and did what turned into at least a one-hour Q&A. And I have to tell you, every time I'm at a camper college, I learn something new. So I made a few notes I want to share with you because several women who were at the camper college have been at camper college before. So they are learning along the way too. And they had better questions and more questions each time. So I want to go over a few things Paul taught us last night. One, and this has always been a question of mine, about the brake controller. So my new trailer has trailer brakes, and my little vintage trailer never had trailer brakes, and it didn't sway, and it didn't weigh very much, and I towed it on a very big vehicle, so I never gave it a second thought. But the new trailer has a gross weight of uh, 3,100 pounds. Of course, that's empty, you know, so when I put all my stuff in it, it weighs more. So I noticed that when I plug in my seven-way and I hit the brake, I can feel it tugging, almost as if I were dragging the trailer. And I was getting this mental picture of the brakes 
on the truck and the trailer just grinding down with every mile. So I opened my brake controller wide open so that I didn't feel any tug at all. And that was a mistake. So that was one of the questions we asked Paul yesterday. And he says that you have to set the brake controller every single time you tow. And that when you set it, you should feel a little bit of a tug. So if you begin to drive up the road and you hit the brakes, you want to feel a little bit of a pull. See, that pull was scaring me and I was thinking that it didn't feel right. And so I actually opened mine up so I didn't feel that pull. So he says to let that you know, pull, be comfortable feeling that little bit of a pull. It shouldn't be pulling, obviously, when you're not touching the brake. So you want to keep it at that distance. You've got to spin your dial or whatever kind of setting you have on your brake controller. Some of the newer ones are digital. And Paul said to us that he notices in his own vehicle that he sets it anywhere from like 6.3 to 6.6. So most times he feels that comfort zone at around 6.5, but it all depends on how much stuff you have in your trailer, what the road conditions are. So each time you use your trailer, you should pull it up, tap on the brake, feel that little bit of tug, but not not a drag. So it's just a gauging thing that you'll learn to get comfortable with over time. Now, here's another couple tips he gave us about swaying and brake controllers. So when you're on the highway and a tractor trailer goes by you, it is going to suck your trailer toward it. And then when the trailer passes, it's going to release it. It creates a little vacuum when they go by you. So he suggested this. If you're looking in your rearview mirror, you're in the right lane where you should be going 55 to 60 miles an hour, and you see that tractor trailer coming up on you. What you actually do is speed up a little. Pick up your speed, and when that trailer gets right next to you, release your speed and go back down to normal, and that should keep you from being uh, suctioned by the trailer. Now, I always do this thing when I'm in the right-hand lane and I see that tractor trailer coming up on my left, I get as far to the right-hand lane as I can get without actually hitting the little bumps that make that noise that scares the heck out of your husband. I get as far right as I can and I put my hand on the brake controller in case I want to give it an extra squeeze when that truck is going by. If you squeeze your brake controller, if you feel a little bit of a sway or a bad suction, it'll stop it immediately. So those are just some little tips that Paul gave us on how to use your brake controller effectively and how to manage sway or even the fear of sway when we're dealing with tractor trailers on the road. Okay, another thing that we learned, and I thought this was very interesting. So many episodes ago when Walter Cannon was on the show and we were talking about gross vehicle weight, maximum towing capacity, your tongue weight, and all these things, Walter gave what seemed to me a very good explanation of it, but not an easy thing to do to get your actual tongue weight. So let me first talk about why having your tongue weight is important. So the tongue weight is the proportion of the trailer weight that is transferred to the front of your hitch and sits on your pin. So you have your hitch. It has a receiver. The receiver holds the ball, the two-inch ball, that your tongue of your trailer sits on. There is transferred weight from your total trailer to that pin weight. It's called the pin weight. So it should not be more than 10% of what the total trailer weight is. And here's why this is important. If it's too high, if you are transferring more than 10% of the trailer weight that is sitting on your hitch, it could affect your ability to steer appropriately and for your steering column and steering system to react and operate correctly. So that's a danger, obviously. If it's too low, you don't have enough weight, your trailer can be swaying. Another reason this is important to know this weight is because hitches themselves are rated. 
So a hitch, let's just say my trailer weighs 3,100 pounds, but that's empty. So once I put all my girl camping and glamping stuff in it, even though I'm a minimalist by most girl camping standards, it might be another 1,000 pounds of weight. It's probably at least seven or 800 pounds of weight, and that's if you have no water in any of your tanks. And I usually like to carry at least a couple gallons of fresh water in my tank so I could use the potty or run the sink if I were at a rest stop. So a class two hitch on your car is rated for 3,500 pounds. So it's important to know what your pin weight is, how much weight is going on your hitch. You want to make sure you have the correctly rated hitch for what you're towing. So mine is a class three hitch on my truck, and that is for up to 8,000 pounds, so I should be fine. But you don't want to tow anything that weighs more than your hitch is rated to carry. So he did a great job explaining all of that to, to us last night, and I hope I'm conveying it correctly. But here is why I never found out what my actual tongue weight is. So Walter Cannon suggested you take your trailer and your car totally loaded as if you were leaving on a trip. So I can't even picture this, that I'm all ready to go on a trip and I'm going to spend an hour and a half at a way station now because usually I'm totally frazzled by the time I get all that done and just want to hit the road. But this is how it's supposed to be done. You're supposed to weigh it as it would be if you were leaving. So you take that to a way station and Walter had a system in which you weigh the truck and the trailer together and then you drive your tow vehicle off and you just get the trailer weight and then you you should have your gross vehicle weight on the inside of your car and there's an equation that will give you the pin weight. But I found out last night at Beckley's that most trailer places, most camping places, have a little machine that actually gets rolled up to your trailer. The pin sits on it and it weighs it for you. So they will tell you it's 480 pounds, but that's 480 pounds without anything in it. So they actually bump those up, say this is rated for 600 because they know that it's not effective weight when you're weighing it empty. So you could actually just go to your RV dealership and they have a little machine that they'll just roll up and it sounds a lot easier to me than going to a way station and you know weighing your truck and getting the truck off and then weighing the camper and all of that. So if you happen to be on a trip and you're fully loaded and you can stop at an RV dealership, maybe they will weigh it for you there. But it seemed to me an easier way to get it done. Another thing we learned last night was more information on propane. So I have had this little dilemma going because there is just a thing in my head that does not want me to drive with the propane on. I did not realize when I ordered my trailer that my refrigerator is not three-way. It doesn't run on battery propane and electric. It's propane and electric. So if it was on battery, it would just keep it cool. It won't cool it down, but if I were at a rest stop, it would keep an already cold fridge going. So what I learned last night about the propane is I have been driving with my propane on for two reasons. One, when I bought my Riverside Retro, there is a snafu in my refrigerator and I have not taken it in to have it fixed yet because I'm busy using it and I don't want to part with it. So my refrigerator is not running on electric. There's something that's wrong in the wiring and I've got to take it into the dealership and have that repaired. Now my husband, the home inspector, figured this out. When you take the refrigerator panel off the side door, he was able to bypass that. There's actually a plug there, and when he unplugs that and plugs it directly in at the campground, it's working. So it's something internal that I have to have fixed. So I have been running that refrigerator on propane since I got it. And there's a little dilemma that goes on in your mind like, should I really be driving down the road with my propane running? And Stephanie and Jeremy on RVFTA podcast talked about this a few weeks ago. Whenever I talk to manufacturers about this, they say unequivocally, 
Yes, of course you should. That's what they're designed to do. Okay, they are designed to run on propane when you're standing still, and they can run on propane when you're driving, but there are inherent risks in running propane while you're driving. And they're not so much what's happening on the road, even though if there was an accident, it would be a problem. Here's where um, Paul uh, shared something with me that I'd never thought of. He said, do you know of a situation in which when your refrigerator is running on propane and you're driving, you should stop and turn it off? And I couldn't think of any scenario other than if you're going through a bridge in a tunnel where I ran into that problem on the George Washington Bridge and they rerouted me to the upper level but my propane was off at that time. They would want you to have it off even if they allow you to go through the bridge. But here's what I learned from Paul. You should never have your propane on um, at a gas station. Now, I never thought of this, but propane has an open flame. Now, it's contained and it is behind the vent door. So when you open the back of the refrigerator, you can see where the flame would be and it's got a safety thing around it so it's not like a roaring flame but you're running gasoline fumes so you really should never have your propane on at a gas station and I've already done that without even realizing that that was an issue so thank you Paul for explaining that to us I really never thought of that and I was you know hitting myself in the head could have had a V8 moment when I heard that because it makes perfect sense you have a gas dryer you have a flame you know those are things you have to be worried about and that is what is so neat about Camper College because you always learn something new and I've got to tell you that Beckley's had a staff of people who were incredibly experienced and there for a very long time. And it was just great to have that collective wisdom of all those years in the industry. We learned so much last night. So I want to thank you, Kelly at Beckley's, for having us last night. The weather was threatening. We had lightning. We had rain. The humidity was terrible. But uh, they put on such a nice uh, show for us last night and treated us to a great dinner and a glass of wine and lots of water because it was so hot out. So we learned so much. It was another successful camper college. I'm so happy to share these things that I learned with all of you who couldn't be with us. Before we head to our featured interview, I have an RV travel tip from Progressive Insurance. Progressive wants you to know that when you are getting ready to take your dog on a long road trip, you can get your pet acclimated to traveling by taking them on short trips. It'll help them get used to all the sudden movements in the car and the noises, car honking, sudden stopping in case somebody jumps in front of you. It could take several weeks, but it could pay big dividends when you're on that family vacation and you don't have to worry about the dog being anxious. It's just another way Progressive has you covered while you're on the road. We're going to be back in a minute with our interview with Todd Henson. Welcome, guests. I am here today with Todd Henson, who is the Director of Sales and Marketing at RV Inspection Connection in Waxahachie, Texas. Welcome, Todd. Well, thank you so much. I'm glad to be here. Todd, I'm so thrilled that you're here. And the reason I reached out to you last week, we had a nice conversation, was because one of my podcast listeners has been trying to buy a Class A motorhome. And she called me last week and she said, please say a little prayer for me because we're looking at two Class A's and they're a really good deal. And that right. made my antennae go up. Whenever somebody's got a really good deal, it scares me <laughs> that they may not know what is involved in that trailer. And so I thought to myself, you know what? There must be RV 
inspectors. My own husband is a home inspector. So when you buy a house, he goes out to your house and he checks all the systems, tells you how long your roof is good for, your hot water heater, your heater, your air conditioner. He checks the systems in a house. And I thought there must be something like this for RVs. And that's how I found you. So, Todd, can you tell us what kind of certification is involved in becoming a RV inspector? Well, um, actually, it's a, a two-step process um, for the inspectors with RV inspection connection. The first step um, is anyone who is looking to uh, become an inspector or at least, um, at the very least, learn how to operate their own unit. They can go through a five-day training course um, with the NRVIA. And what does uh, that stand uh, for? What does the NRVIA stand for? Yes. That is the National RV Inspectors Association. Okay. Okay. And they would go through a five-day training course, and it's hands-on, where they learn, uh, of course, the different systems of an RV uh, itself. If they aspire to uh, become inspectors on their own, they definitely can do that. And what we do at uh, RV Inspection Connection is take um, the results from those who, have, of course, received the certification and took the test, and we take the best of those and offer them an opportunity uh, to come on board with RV Inspection Connection and go through another series of trainings. Um, and then once they go through that training, they're now registered with us with RV Inspection Connection. As a certified RV inspector? Correct. Okay. So it sounds to me as if there's two ways, two reasons person might take the initial class. If you bought a big Class A motorhome and you were kind of a techie guy, the kind of guy who might change your own oil, you might want to learn how to operate all these systems. You might take this five-day class just to know how to maintain your own rig yourself. Absolutely. Or you could take that. And then go on and get further certification and become an RV inspector for other people. Absolutely. Are there many people who do that, who start out like, I I can imagine a scenario in which some retired guy full-timing is taking the class and learning how to operate his rig and then going, you know what, I got all this information now, let me get the next designation and become an inspector for other people. Oh, absolutely. Um, We have... (laughs) The, the latest numbers that we have with the NRBIA is over 600 uh, people have actually went through and uh, became certified with the NRBIA. And from there, we've had probably about 200 that would go on and become inspectors with uh, RV Inspection Connection. Okay, so your company has 200 licensed inspectors? Well, we've had 200 go through. Okay. Now, it's really up to the individual. Some of them, you know, they'll do it for a time, and then, you know, they'll, they'll contact us and say, well, we're, we want to do a vacation for a while, so, you know, take us off, you know, for the next six months. And so at any given time, that number fluctuates. Okay, so do you have a database have where people can go online and find an inspector near them? Or do well, they call actually, you directly? They just simply call us, and what what we have is the ability to go anywhere. So our, we, out of our inspectors, uh, a lot of them are RVers themselves, already went through the training, and what they're able to do is once someone contacts us either by our website or by giving us a call, we can actually send an, inspect, uh, an inspector to them. Okay, so it, it, there's some travel involved sometimes. So what would an inspection cost? I would imagine that... You must have tiers of inspections because if someone's buying a little tab and um, they want it inspected, it's got to be a different process than if you're buying a Class A motorhome. How are the inspections broken down? Well, they are broken down by class. And from each class, you have um, three different levels to choose from. So, uh, for for instance, on a Class A motorhome, you can have what we call our essential uh, level of inspection where you have 80 points of inspection. It comes with 10 to 15 photos. Um, you're looking at $395 uh, for that um, 
inspection. And every one of our inspections, of course, you receive uh, an inspection report. So it's not just something that we, you know, check off and tell you that it's, you know, operating fine. We actually give you uh, the analysis. Okay. That way it becomes uh, something that you can look at later on and say, well, this was passing. But if it's given, you know, a, 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 an okay check, then you would know that, all right, I need to be looking at this relatively soon. Okay. Okay, and from there we have our Essential Plus, where we actually do more points of inspection and we include a fluid analysis. We fill in on, our, on the motorhomes, the fluid analysis is, you know, something that is uh, definitely needed, whether it be the, you know, checking the, the engine oil, the transmission fluid, or the coolant. Each one of those, we can tell, uh, we, we send this off to have it analyzed, and we can tell based on the metal particles what's going on on the inside of the engine. So you can so, take the oils or the fluids and have them analyzed, and you can sort of tell from that whether the people have been maintaining it well? Well, absolutely. If it was uh, heavy in metals, can, you would think they're not changing that oil very often. Or that, you know, well, I mean, engines do wear down over time. And so based on the um, uh, metal analysis, we could tell actually what parts are actually uh, wearing down because, of course, each part has a different type of metal to it. And I so see. we're able to find out, okay, well, you know, this one we had, you know, this much uh, of a particular metal uh, found in there. And based on that, you know, so many parts per million, uh, we would suggest, you know, this action be taking place. Okay. So that's the essential, the essential plus. Do you have a premier package? We do do have a premier level. Um, and uh, that is our top package. Uh, it has 164 points of inspection. You receive 75 to 100 photos. Uh, you know, we're, we're giving you everything that we can. And then two fluid analysis. So you can have the oil and the transmission or the transmission and the coolant um, okay. uh, in that package. And what does that package cost? Uh, that one is $1,249, uh, $1, and that is for our Class A motorhome. Now, like I said, each each class uh, is different because, mm-hmm. uh, of course, there are certain things that, you know, you can check on a Class A that you simply can't check on a fifth row. Right. Now, I didn't ask you what the Essential Plus package cost. On the um, Class A, the Essential Plus, I'm sorry, uh, let me get over here, it is seven ninety seven. Okay, so this would be money well spent if you were going to spend seventy, eighty, a hundred thousand dollars, or even more on a Class A motorhome. That would be money well spent. Oh, absolutely! How long does that inspection take, Todd? The inspection itself takes anywhere from four to eight hours. Um, the inspector then takes back all the findings and we actually send this over to what we um, have in-house as a a QC um, analyzer who actually checks over uh, the data, uh, second checks the data, makes sure that everything is right. So you get a little quality control in there, you send it over and it's reviewed, it's not just yours. Right, it's reviewed and then within uh, 48 hours you'll receive the report now, if you have the fluid analysis, it may take up to five days before you receive that, five business days before you receive the fluid analysis. Okay, so now let me ask you this. If someone was going to buy an RV from a RV dealership and they're telling you they're going to give you a 90-day warranty, would it be worth your money then to also have this inspection if it wasn't already inspected in your program? Because some dealerships have the um, certified pre-owned RV seal on it. Some dealerships hire you to come out, and these trailers have already been um, inspected this way. But if you're purchasing one that has not been inspected, they just did a regular PDI, the uh, pre-delivery inspection, which would be very superficial compared to what could go wrong in a in a class a so if people had that um if you didn't have that in uh, pre-inspection done if the if the dealership didn't have that inspection done by you guys and they were offering a 90-day warranty would it be beneficial for the people to get this in addition well we definitely believe so now we do believe that a 90-day service agreement does absolutely help out Mm-hmm. But the question is, I mean, most people that are purchasing an RV or, you know, ready to go out, 
and enjoy their life and, and, you know, see what, what, you know, what's out there to be seen. And yeah, you may have a warranty, but if you purchase one, you have the regular PDI, it doesn't check everything, you know, unfortunately they, they simply can't. Um, and as what we see with the dealerships, most of them are backed up, you know, a month to nearly two months before they can actually get to your RV to service it. Yeah, so if so, something goes wrong in the summer, you're really in trouble because you take it over right. there and you don't get it back. Right. You may have you may have uh, what you feel is a warranty, but if you purchase one that had several you know things go wrong with it, you're out of that RV while you're making payments on it, and you can't enjoy it. So well, I also we, think we definitely believe. If you if you have a 90-day agreement and something goes wrong immediately and then it sits in the dealer's lot for 60 days, your opportunity to have any other bugs worked out is slipping past you because you're not using it to see what else could be going wrong. Right, and then you're forced at that moment uh, to look at you know going with an extended service agreement. Well, what kind of warranty comes with your inspection? Well, we are actually partnered up with uh, pro, uh, protective um, on our um, uh, 90-day service agreements. And so whenever we work with a dealership, we provide um, a 90-day service agreement through protective. Is that an insurance and, company? Uh, yes. Their, their policy or their package is actually called the um, extra ride. It's the only uh, insurance company that is already DA endorsed. Uh, how is your 90-day policy different from the 90-day policy that the RV dealership is giving you? Well, actually, with each um, dealership, we're able to uh, work with them. If they prefer to use their own 90-day policy, we're able to do that. If they would choose to use ours, then we would provide ours. Okay. We want to be flexible when it comes to the dealership and to the customer. We want to be able to work you know, either way with what they have. So do you ever find yourself in a situation where someone is at an RV dealership and they're going to purchase a trailer and they want this additional inspection? Hello? They want a more thorough one. Do you ever have an RV dealership that says, no, I'm not letting you on the property? We haven't yet. Okay. So they're willing to stand by and say, uh, I'm going to take, you know, I'm going to stand by. Because when they buy a trailer at an auction or they take one in as a trade-in, they can't possibly take the man hours to do what you do. Right. But, you know, most dealerships, I mean, and so far we haven't had any instances where a dealership has refused us coming on the lot. And we understand that, you know, there are time constraints but, you know, dealerships are there to serve the RV community, you know, just as much as anyone else. And, you know, so far, we have not run into any dealership that has not, you know, allowed us to come on the lot and to uh, inspect uh, per the customer's request. Okay, so now someone hires you, and so there's a situation in which they're at an RV lot, but there could be someone just buying a trailer from RV Trader or from a private owner. So a Craigslist ad. So, Todd, if someone um, hires you, whether they're buying the trailer off an ad on Craigslist, from RV Trader, or from a dealership, does your organization carry liability insurance? Yes. All of our inspectors uh, actually carry a million dollars worth of coverage of liability. We know that we're going on to someone else's property. And you know, inevitably, there may, uh, you know, always with a business, if something does go wrong, you want to make sure that you're covered. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, we require all of our inspectors to carry a million dollars worth of liability coverage. Well, something that occurred to me in, in the home inspection industry, if an inspector spots something that's wrong, let's just say that the the heating system is in need of repair or the sill plate has been eaten by termites. The home inspection industry does not allow the inspection company to make repairs. Is there something similar in the RV industry? Is there a code of ethics that says that inspector can't work on something that he designates to be wrong with the trailer? Absolutely. Part of the NRVIA uh, is their code of ethics. And to work with the NRVIA, the NRVIA certified, you have to agree that any unit that you inspect, you cannot, you cannot work on it for up to one year. 
It's a hands-off policy. Okay, so that's, you know, that's in the best interest of the buyer. Oh, absolutely. Because it, many times we have customers go to a service shop. And at a service shop, of course, they find um, almost everything they can. And now you're running tens, you know, tens of thousands of dollars for repairs. And it makes you wonder, did it really need to be repaired? Or are they just trying to make money off of it? Right. And I remember years ago seeing on 2020 an episode where they they had um, brought RVs into repair shops and they had hidden cameras in them and they were literally breaking things. I mean, there's unethical people all over the world. So this would be another application for your business, though. If someone got a bill for a large repair or someone had um, brought it to a repair shop and, and they were told that, you know, the transmission has to be replaced, that would be in your best interest then to have an inspector, a third party, neutral person come and look at that. Correct. Does that happen often? We, not only have we had that, but we've actually had several cases where attorneys have called us, you know, in 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 midst of a suit, a lawsuit, and they've asked us to, you know, step in and and to give an inspection report so that you know they can provide that to the court. I see. Now, when you um, when someone orders an inspection from you, do they also pay travel expenses? You say, let's just say you had to travel several hours to get to the trailer. How would you compensate for that? Well, we do. We do actually ask the customer, depending on um, the availability of an inspector in the area. There's uh, communication up front. Um, Whenever you call in, you'll speak to one of our virtual sales associates who looks at our database to find out where uh, people are. And from there, we actually make an offer to the inspectors. We have, let's just say it's in in Georgia, uh, Sweetwater, Georgia, and we don't have an inspector there. We send it out um, a call to our inspectors uh, for them to not only let us know if they're willing to come in, but what they would charge uh, for the mileage. Mm-hmm. Once we get those quotes, we contact the customer back and say, we do have someone there. You know, they can be there. They can be there on Tuesday to do the inspection, but they want to charge a $50 travel expense. Yeah, that would be really reasonable. Right. Now, And so depending on how far they travel, it, you know, right. the uh, cost may be different. But you guys have 600 inspectors, so the the uh, likelihood of someone being nearby in denser areas is high. Well, the um, RV inspection connection has less than 600. That's mm-hmm. in our VIA, the inspectors. Who, like I said, most of them are you know trained to actually work on their own units. I just want to t- tell people about what the RVIC certified pre-owned program is. Can you speak about what that program is? Because it's worked really well in the auto industry, and now it's being applied to the RV industry. Right. Whenever we first started with the RV inspection connection, our thought was that there are over 60% of all used RVs that are sold are sold private party to private party. And through, um, through that, we decided what we'll do is we'll provide an inspection report you know, to the customers who can look at a unit you know, look and, and see that it's pretty, see that there's a couple things work, but you know, they, they're not really um, able to check everything. And so from there, we created this company with a thought that we're really here to provide to the private sellers. Well, what we found out over the last three years is that 52% of customers who contact us to have an an RV inspected are asking us to inspect an RV on the dealership lot. I see. And so um, that was, you know, not something that we were trying in the beginning. We were, you know, here, like I said, to serve the private seller, private purchaser. And with that, we decided, well, the dealership's, uh, as you asked before, they're letting us on their lots. We're forging good relationships with them, and we decided, you know, that their customers are already spending the money to have the uh, RV inspected. Why not be able to offer a service to the dealership to have that done beforehand? You see, whenever they contact us, you know, like I said, it takes 24, 48 hours for us to get the report out. 
If there's a fluid analysis, it takes five days. What if we can serve that to the dealership before the customer purchases the vehicle? And so now when they walk on the lot, they have something that's different than all the other RVs. And that is a full inspection report, a fluid analysis, and a 90-day service agreement ready ready to go. And they that's got that's got to um, create consumer confidence. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. What we see in the auto industry, the 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 largest sector, the the sector that you know gains the most profit, is the certified pre-owned sector. Right. So you're applying that principle here, and it's really working. Right. So I want to ask you about the smaller trailers. I mean, I can. I can understand why anyone buying a big Class A motorhome would want to have that inspection. But let's just say I'm going to buy a used, um, I don't know, 18-foot Jayco. Would it be worth your while to have that inspected? I think that's why we have the essential level uh, inspection. Of course, it, you know, a a 18-foot Jayco has fewer um, uh, systems on it, so therefore you wouldn't need a full uh, analysis on there. Let's you know go through, make sure that the the life safety features are working. Let's make sure that the you know if it has propane that that's taken care of. It's not leaking. Too many times I see you know in the news you know the RVs traveling down the road that catches fire. Now, yeah, I just saw one again lot, today. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if it happens once, it's too many times. So, so it's it's really great to have that peace of mind knowing that when you travel, that this unit is actually in good condition. Right. Or at least in the condition that you know what it is. But I would think, too, as a consumer, I would want to know what is the life expectancy of certain parts on the trailer. Like in a home inspection, they'll tell you the roof is 18 years old. It's not leaking, but budget to replace. That's what our home inspection report would say. Now, I would think if I was buying a travel trailer that was six or eight years old, I would want to know, is that roof beginning to crack? What kind of life is left in this air conditioner? Do you right. do things like that? Do you assess um, a, a, an appliance and tell what its prospective life expectancy is? Well, we don't get into the expected um, life expectancy or the projected life expectancy. We, of course, we provide pictures and let you know based on the analysis what where we feel that this falls. Is it? Is it acceptable? Is it in good condition? Is it in fair condition? Or, you know, is it in poor condition? Oh, so you rate it. And let you, absolutely, and let you make that decision. Do you do tire inspections, Todd? Absolutely. Because often I hear from people that they bought a used trailer and that it had the wrong size tires on it. Would that be something you would expect, inspect for? Oh, absolutely. And the date. Most people don't know that, you know, the tires come with a date on them. Yes, and according and to our friend Walter Cannon, they trailer tires need to be changed much more often than your car tires. Absolutely. People look at the tread. Well, you know, in most RVs, you don't drive it around as much as you do a car, and so it's deceiving just to look at the tread. I mean, if it went through so many seasons, you know, hot and cold, hot and cold, you know, that tire, the sidewalls are going to wear out. Yeah, and I had experience with a trailer once in which the tread looked perfectly fine on the outside, but the tires had been overinflated. So when you laid on your belly and looked inside, they were completely bald inside. Mm. So, you know, you know that, that kind of wear and tear might be something that, you know, someone who knows nothing about trailers might just do a visual on the outside and say, this tread looks fine. I want to talk about trailer refrigerators for a minute because it seems to be an ongoing dialogue in the show. What? How would you properly inspect a refrigerator? Because I took my brand new trailer from the factory and the refrigerator does not work, although it had a PDI, a pre-inspection delivery. So now that I've had it for several weeks, it's working on propane, but the electric in the refrigerator is not working. But my husband inspected it at the factory, but that's not something you can tell at the factory. Right. So what we do with uh, our inspections is, of course, we convey to you know the, the purchaser that we would need the unit to actually be hooked up to shore power for at least 12 hours. The one thing that's different from, <laughs> one of the many things that's different about an RV refrigerator uh, than your stick and brick home uh, refrigerator 
is that, you know, it does run off of two uh, systems, propane and electrical, and it takes right at 12 hours for the refrigerator to get down to operating temperature. Okay. The rule of thumb, I'm sure you're aware of, for each minute that you have that refrigerator open, it takes an hour for it to regain that temperature. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> that, that's not good news. I did not right. know that. that it, yeah, so, I did not know that. Yeah, so it's it's not like where you can open it up and, you know, go shopping in your refrigerator. You don't <laughs> want to do that in an RV. Okay. <laughs> and so where a PDI, they they'd plug it in, they would see that it's working. You know, what we want to do is make sure that it's operating at temperature under shore power. Mm-hmm. Not and just that it course, operates, but, but that it runs on electric, but that the cooling system is working and it can bring it up to the right system. temperature. We, we take pictures of the temperatures uh, and uh, post those for the customers to see. But as well, most of the refrigerators out there do have recalls. We will, you know, check on the back, make sure the recall kit is put on. Okay. So you know what models have had recalls and what refrigerators um, are part of that. And so you can apply and see this one has had a recall, but I don't see the repair made. So you, you would be able to spot that. Notate that. Correct. Okay, and so then it would be up to the dealership or the buyer and the private party to work out some kind of deal to fix and repair that. Absolutely. Our our job is to simply assess the situation and let the customer, you you know, we provide the customer with additional information so they can decide. Because a lot of, you know, used units, of course they're going to have issues. The question is, you know, does the customer know what those issues are and can they fairly assess and price that unit. And so by us providing that, and it, we don't provide a pass-fail. We just, you know, here is the condition of the unit. And it's up to the customer to decide, okay, they can look at this and say, well, yeah, there's a few things wrong, but I'm still wanting to purchase this. It's at a great price. I can definitely take care of this. Some of them, you know, unfortunately, we've had, you know, too many times where there's been an online ad and someone from a different state is looking at purchasing it. They would contact us to come out and uh, provide an inspection. And that's when we see the salesperson become a little squirrely. Mm. We've had one instance where uh, we, we you know, got to see the unit uh, by pictures before we went out there and we saw um, some very large um, football stickers on there. And, you know, the, the seller was indicating that, you know, they were a Packers fan. And so, of course, they had Packers stickers all over it. Um, when our inspector got there, what had happened was is those stickers were hiding all the cracks on the outside of the delamination. Oh, boy. So, yeah, and of course, you know, the customer was out of state. They had no way of checking it without using us. And so we were able to provide to them the situation that this unit was, you know, you know, again, we don't do a pass-fail. We gave them the condition of the unit and she simply walked away from You're it. You're just passing information. Absolutely. Do you get now calls from people who already purchased it and then they find all these things are going wrong and after the fact call you up and say, look, I need an inspection on this thing? We have. And, you know, we still do that. We actually even have customers want us to inspect on a new unit. Now, we tend to shy away. We get that about five times a month where someone contacts us on a brand new unit and would like to have this inspection. But and we, why, we why would don't. you shy away from that? Well, we already know that the uh, RV manufacturer uh, has, a, has a warranty on it. And it gets into uh, a situation we really don't want to get to with the manufacturers at this point. Right. I can see that. You know, with that, I mean, they already have their warranty, unfortunately. Now, we are uh, actually in talks with a couple manufacturers uh, as of this week. And what we're uh, proposing to them, they're working out with us, is for each prototype that comes out, they would have us come in as a third-party inspector to inspect the unit. We know that the vendors of RV manufacturers do the same thing. They come in uh, on the prototypes, they check, make sure their particular um, appliance is up to code and that the system can handle it. And what we want to do is provide a full systems check you know, on those um, prototype units that are coming up. I see. Okay. Now, I do want to ask you this, Todd. Are there any finance companies that require an inspection on used units before they will finance a used unit? Is there anything like that in the industry? 
to date, we have one company that has elected uh, to have uh, all their loans, uh, have their uh, units uh, inspected. Uh, SunTrust Bank mm-hmm. uh, nationwide actually um, requires that the, uh, again, uh, anyone purchasing in a used RV to have it inspected. That, that is a trend going on in the home inspection industry. So, Todd, I want to thank you so much for coming on today because I, I see people buying things, and especially if you're a solo woman traveler and, you know, you don't have any experience with this, you really want an objective third-party look before you make that mega investment in something. So I think this is such good news to know that this is out there. I'm going to pass it on to my friend looking at these bargain class A's and make sure they really are a bargain. And would you please tell the listeners where they can find an RV inspector? Well, you can go uh, as easy as uh, go online to uh, www.rvinspection.com. Okay. Or you can call us and uh, speak to an associate at 1-800-628-1455. And I am going to put that in the show notes with a link to... RV Inspection Connection. And I thank you so much, Todd, for coming on and, and sharing all this information. With It's very good news. I yeah, appreciate your time. Okay. Thanks, Todd. It's a pleasure being here. Thank you so much. You too. Bye-bye now. And now our sponsor, Go Little Guy, brings you a message from another satisfied customer. Welcome, Amanda. We're here at Tearstock having a blast. I'm looking at your tab, and I love it. You had 500 likes on Facebook. Tell me what drew you to the Little Guy Company. Initially, what drew me to the company was I was a tent camper for 40 plus years, and I just got exhausted, and I wanted something more simple. And I started looking at the Little Guy trailers, and they really appealed to me because of their workmanship, the quality, the reviews that owners had on them, and that if I was going to make an investment, I wanted it to be a lasting one. So that's really what drew me to it, and they're just so stinking cute. I'd like to thank my guest, Todd Henson, for coming on the show today and teaching us about the industry of RV inspections. Todd, you've just made a lot of people very happy, and it's good to have this consumer information so we can make good choices. I'd also like to thank my sponsors, Progressive Insurance and Go Little Guy Worldwide. I want to take a minute, too, to once again thank Beckley's Camping Center in Thurmont, Maryland, for hosting the Girl Campers yesterday. You could not have been more gracious. Thank you, staff at Beckley's. And as always, I want to thank my producer, Stephanie Puglisi. Stephanie and her husband, Jeremy, can be heard every Wednesday on Campground of the Week and every Friday on their own podcast, the RV Family Travel Atlas Podcast. And I want to tell you about something that you might have missed. Stephanie and Jeremy hosted a Go RVing live chat on Go RVing Facebook. I finally was able to get some time and listen to their whole show, and it was fantastic as always. You can still see it even if you missed participating in it live by going to the Go RVing Facebook page. It was one hour of great interchange with Stephanie and Jeremy about all things RVing, and nobody does it better. So thank you, Stephanie and Jeremy, for that really engaging and fun episode of Go RVing Live Facebook. It's all new. It's all new. Who knew? So anyway, I enjoyed it so much. I'll be back next week. Everyone have a good week. Happy trails.